Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends. All except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everyone, welcome to Season 3 Review. Uh, we're here to, uh, we've finished the third season and now uh, we just want to take an episode to reflect on it and answer some big questions like who's your favorite monster and what's your favorite alternative universe theory. Um, so uh, I'm your host as usual, Dennis St. John, uh, and now I'm going to have everybody else introduce themselves so you can recognize their voice. Hi, I'm another male voice. My name's Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've seen only all of, of Buffy up to the end of season three, which is relevant because I'm going to make predictions about what should happen in season four based on my complete lack of knowledge of what happens next. I'm an even maler voice. Uh, my name's John, and I've been doing the podcast now for since the first episode. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm adult male, parenthesis number four, comma, heavyset, and parenthesis, and my name's Travis in the script. <laughs> And I love Buffy. <laughs> All right. Now you know us. And now you'll find out what we think about Buffy season three. <laughs> uh, so we have a series of questions that we're going to ask each other. Um, and these were all written by uh, male voice number three or number four. Um, Get it right. There's only four male voices. I'm I can't kidding. tell you guys apart. I'm sorry. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, question one um, was list your two favorite episodes and why. Uh, who wants to start? Virgin, Virgin. Okay, sure. Yeah, so my two favorite episodes from season three, uh, I actually really enjoyed Earshot uh, as my top episode because I felt like it was the most demented and strange, right? So that's the episode with the school shooter problem. And for obvious reasons maybe like it had a really emotionally resonant like uh connection with me when i watched that episode so and it felt uh it was just like an interesting time travel trip for me so i really loved earshot thought it was fantastic i even liked the monster which like gave buffy these empathy powers to hear other things like everyone was thinking i thought it was awesome uh, my other second favorite episode you know, i guess the top two was uh, helpless which i thought was fantastic because it really broke the show by showing like a weird and terrible giles i didn't like it at the time I was confused about it because it was introducing the Watcher Council and totally fucked up my predictions because I assumed the Watcher Council was going to be the big bad in season three for a little while based on that episode, which turned out to be a one-off. Um, I mean, I'll get into the fan theories about, you know, it, it, that's another later question. But like, I felt like that episode was so interesting. And that, that's, these are two episodes that I would watch again because they were so interesting and weird and I would want other people to watch them and get their opinion on. Yeah, so Helpless Earshot were my two favorite. Uh, does anybody have more questions about why? But probably not. No, I think that's interesting. You chose two kind of um, dark episodes for the world. Uh, Earshot is definitely uh, in my number one. Um, uh, but Doppelgangland was my number two. Yeah, uh, if I were to keep going I you know down the list, it would be then like Bad Girls. I love that one because it's the Faith Buffy as friends before Faith's arc really like kicks off in a different direction. 
uh, Lover's Walk because it ends the bullshit between Xander and Willow. <laughs> Uh, revelations because it ends the bullshit with Buffy and Angel being in secret. Hey, 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 you're running through all the episodes, okay, brother. Stop, I'll stop. Those are, anyway, top two. I have a bunch of runner ups also. I want to. It's interesting because they're very different than yours. Um. It, it's interesting you chose such one shot episodes, I think, because uh, I think if you surveyed fans, I think a lot of fans would say that this, this season has one of the best arcs of all the seasons. Uh, certainly compared to one and two, they certainly do. So it's interesting to me that you chose one-shot episodes in season three. I think those, you know, there's a difference between arcs and episodes. And I think the one-offs stand the test of time a little better when you're reflecting on them. Yeah. Uh, Travis and John, you guys got to answer. <clears throat> so for me, uh, my two favorites were Lover's Walk, episode eight. And the main reason why I love this is because it's the last episode where the Scooby gang includes everyone, including Cordelia. And after this, Cordelia's out of the Scooby gang. She's not really part of Buffy season three. You know, this leads into, you know, Cordelia's character as she goes down, you know, the rest of the series. Um, and, you know, I think up until this point, it was like a culmination where we were at. You know, the Scooby gang had formed all their friendships and the Lover's Walk breaks so many of those friendships. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's funny. They actually get put Cordelia in real big danger and then they walk it back. They have the funny funeral scene at the end. Um, basically everything changes after this episode for like the whole series. That's why I love that one. Um, and I'm sad to see it go because it was kind of this idyllic Buffy. And when you think about Buffy as a show, it's a lot of people think of the high school, you know, seasons. And this is the last episode where it is the typical happy high school kind of episode. Then my second favorite episode was helpless. And this is an episode that I didn't really like, um, when Great I watched choice. the show originally, Great choice. And um, the reason Helpless I like so much is because it's so, in retrospect, you know, when I was a kid and I watched this, you know, it breezed over me, you know, basically Buffy forgives Giles at the end of the show. Okay, so when you're a kid, you watch that, something bad happens, somebody forgets someone. It's kind of okay. But then when you watch it in retrospect, it is, it is a terrible thing that happens uh, that, that this episode highlights. Um, this idea that Giles can really betray Buffy the way she... she he does assault her. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really sad. It's a, and it's sort of like, hey, how does the patriarchy get, uh, you know, uh, reinforced year after, you know, time and time again? It's like, oh, a male writer wrote this episode directed by a male director. And then, oh, this male assaults this young woman. And she says, oh, that's fine. Giles, he got fired, but he's still going to be my watcher. That makes no sense. And at the end of the day, you know, 20 years later, the, the way this episode ends makes no sense. Um, and it should never have made sense even at the time. So I like it because it totally breaks. Uh, it breaks Buffy for me in a good way. Um, and I, I, you know, this Giles character who I used to like so much, I don't like this Giles character anymore. Not even in these extra episodes. And I wish that, I wish that he died at the end of season three, but I'm getting Whoa. ahead of myself. Whoa. So, so Giles never redeems himself to you? Never, never. Wow. Man. wow. Yeah. You wish Giles died? At the end of season three, yeah. I agree with you that he should not have the easy comeback uh, that the show wants him to have after Helpless, but I don't know if I want him dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get into my fan fiction later. Wow. John? <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't take this as seriously as the rest of you, obviously, because my favorite episode was uh, Band Candy. Uh, it's just, it's Woo! a crowd pleaser. There, like, I just, I love so much. And I think we, I think I said similar things when we did Band Candy, but um, I love that the show has established its characters so well that it can have fun with not doing the characters, that it can play characters against type and have them be opposites and we can get have fun out of that. Uh, 
and Ethan Rain. It's got Ethan Rain in it. There's that guy. Let it rain. Well, you, I don't want more out of a Buffy episode than, than some Ethan Rain. Um, and then uh, my number two was actually Graduation Day. I know we just watched it, so I might have chosen it because it was fresh in my mind. But, Which part? Um, I, I didn't. I kept. I counted them as one. Okay. I, I kind of because I think I was just when I watched it, I was surprised what a satisfying conclusion it was. I think doing a wrap up, uh, whether it's a season or a whole show, is a really hard thing to do. Uh, either things are too pat or they're not pat enough, and you you're left with too many questions. Um, I feel like graduation day wraps up the threads that it needs to wrap up just enough, but leaves enough open. And uh, it, I was really surprised when I watched graduation day this watch through just how satisfying it was that just everything kind of came together in the yeah, end. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of like an ultimate finale for the first part of this show. The like, which we'll get more into in themes and stuff, but. Like if the central metaphor of the beginning of the show is high school is hell, like blowing up that high school in a fire and like a f- fireball is like the perfect way to send that this part of the show off. Um, I'm interested. Nobody chose uh, the Zeppo, which was a really funny episode. Yeah, I almost like specifically didn't choose the Zeppo because I thought one of you guys would. Uh, my runners up were the Zeppo, Bad Girls, Band Candy, Graduation Day, and then just kept going because I was like, there's so many good. So I was like, choices, The Wish, Prom. I can't believe I didn't put The Wish earlier. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's, there's such so many good episodes this season. Um, uh, anybody else have any that we didn't mention? Did, what were your top two, Dennis? Oh, uh, Doppelgangland and Earshot. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Doppelgangland is like so amazing. All right, and now uh, list your two least favorite episodes and why. Uh, Travis, when are we begin to do this time? Okay, I'll be I'll be briefer. So, Dead Man's Party, and um, mostly just because I don't like the way the characters treat Buffy after she comes back from LA. I just really couldn't get over that. That just just didn't strike me as right. So, um, and then Beauty and the Beasts, and I know it sounds like I'm hating on early the early episodes, but. Those are um, my exact two. It's basically, so what I, what I like to say, um, you know, I like it how I like vanilla cake, but it's got no spice. Mm. Which one's Dead Man's Party again? It's zombies, uh, they eat Pat, yeah. or Pat oh, becomes gosh. the monster zombie or whatever. I agree. Yeah. This is amazing, Travis. Those are my least two favorite episodes also. And the thing is, neither of them are really bad episodes. It's just no. they don't. They're just season one, season two, Buffy. Yeah. Like, they belong in the other season. They don't have that flavor that season three has. And it just feels yeah. like it's like you're padding time until like the fun shit happens. Mike, what about you? Oh, uh, so graduation part one, uh, because Whoa. I feel like they... They pull punches and extend out needlessly this graduation story. Uh, I know, th- I mean, I do like parts of graduation part one. I like the fuff ba- Faith versus Buffy thing that happens, but they don't kill Faith. They don't kill Angel. Uh, and they kill an old man for no reason. And like, it's, it's just like, it's the first part is so, there's like, there's some satisfaction in the, you know, Angel eating Buffy or drinking from Buffy. But like the, how they get there is so convoluted that like, I, I found myself really frustrated that they didn't like make a decision to kill Faith and that instead they did this other thing that they could have done immediately, uh, just offered Buffy to, like she wanted to offer herself immediately anyway and then it's like, oh, well, I'll kill Faith instead and then we have this really justified fight that then doesn't go anywhere, so that made me so mad. So, I agree. When I was watching it, I, I thought like, wow, character in a coma is like such a cliche of a cop-out for a, for a show. Like, it's so, it's so soap opera. And then another two I hate, hate, least favorite. Not hate is not right. 
least favorite is uh, amends because it's garbage and Angel's not going to kill himself or what he's going to kill himself. Snow at the end, uh, the trip through memory lane and this Christmas Carol-like story, that made me feel crazy because it's not enough information about his backstory to tell you anything meaningful. It's just that Angel was a bad person. Now he's not, maybe. And then it introduces the first evil, which is this very unsatisfying, strange cult that's beneath a Christmas tree farm. <laughs> it's just like, it's a weird, bad episode. So those are my All two. Right. Uh, John? My worst episode was Amends, uh, also, because um, basically there's too much Angel <laughs> <laughs> and I've basically decided this I don't like... This is too like, much, John. This is too <laughs> I just have basically decided I don't like Angel uh, until Angel. Until, like, on Angel, I think the character gains some depth and has some layers, and they can have they have more fun with it. But uh, in, in Buffy, I feel like Angel really drags on screen. And uh, so too much Angel in that episode is too Angel-focused. And then also, I think the first evil is a dumb idea for a villain. I think the idea of it's evil. No, the first evil. It's just like, <laughs> you might as well just make it the devil. Like, let's just have Satan. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it feels uncreative. Actually, I have uh, him listed later for the bonus question that John asked, the like CG monster question. I gave a list of bad CG monsters. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, most changed slash developed character. Uh, John, why don't you go first? My most changed developed character is Giles. Uh, because he starts off the season as, you know, kind of stuffy watcher man. And we get a lot of weird things out of Giles this season. Uh, we get evil Giles in Helpless, which I think we all agree uh, is really weird. Uh, I guess we already had the notion of Ripper as in the background, but um, we get uh, we kind of get to see Ripper when uh, in Band Candy, and you get to see him have a sexuality uh, in Band Candy, which is a whole new thing for him to have. And by the end, kind of Wesley has come on, once Wesley comes on the screen, I think that frees up Giles that Wesley has the like stuffy guy shit on lockdown and like <laughs> Giles can kind of back off a little bit. And I feel like he's letting go of control a lot by the end, which I think is kind of cool. By the watches council. <laughs> uh, my most changed or developed character <clears throat> is uh, Willow because she goes from casting sort of basic spells to kind of throwing a Hail Mary at the end of season two. And this this season, she becomes this powerful, well, this this much more confident witch, this powerful witch. She's working some magics. She's becoming independent, you know, um, getting out of her shell. Uh, doesn't quite take orders from Buffy uh, all the time. Um, you know, she develops a relationship with Oz. Um, you know, there's that whole infidelity situation that is really tough to, to see again and again. But... Um, She's my most changed character. I thought you were going to pick, uh, well, for mine, I, I pick Faith. She was the most changed character. Basically, after Bad Girls, I mean, you just can't move farther away from, you know, where she starts, right? You know, I think that, well, I mean, she's kind of like morally, uh, you know, she's got some ambivalence about like, you know, what she kills and what she has sex with, whatever. And that's like kind of, you know, weird. But then she make, takes a definite decision in a different direction and the show kind of supports that direction. So that like when there's that Buffy uh, faith fight in graduation, it's like totally earned and totally like they're, they're on opposite sides. And I, I really, I really like that fight. Even though I didn't like that episode. I just didn't like how it ended, <laughs> but uh, I thought she was the most changed and like, she's already an interesting dark character like in the series. So I don't know, it's fun. I actually chose both faith and Willow. So 
I feel like I don't have to talk now. <laughs> I do. I'm going to talk more about Faith when we get to the monsters as theme. Uh, but yeah, best actor and best actress. Um, and I will start this one. Um, I say Alison Hannigan in Doppelgangerland, best actress. Um, and then best actor was a little hard for me because it's either Harry Groner as the mayor or Seth Green as the best boyfriend in the world. It's really a tough call for me. Anyone else? Uh, I have. I I also had. Uh, Alison Hannigan for Evil Willow as best actress. Uh, just fun. Um, my best actor, not a subtle performance, but a memorable one, is Jeff Kober as Zachary Kralik in Helpless. He's the serial killer vampire. He's just so over the top and uh, amazing with his whole like rubbing the cross on himself for like <laughs> weird sexual pain gratification. That was great. Do you think when the cross burns into a vampire that 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 then creates the image of a cross. Does that then continue to burn? Oh, that's an, <laughs> wow. I never thought of that. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, when you, we talk about him as moments, um, I mean, uh, this is, this is really tough. Cause like there's so many awesome, weird angel moments. He's like both the best and worst actor in season three. Um, Second best. <laughs> and like, but with terms of moments, like, uh, Slayer Fist 98 with Trick setting up the insanity of all these people going out to kill uh, Cordelia and Buffy is awesome. But yeah, I, my, my favorite best actor is definitely Angel, who's uh, the for just those two, like three main moments the moment wherein he saves Xander in uh, Zeppo, when in Bad Girls, when like the weird, you know, bathtub monster is talking about his amulet. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Angel shows up, and then obviously the world's second best actor. But man, he's the worst at being in a relationship. Uh, he's the worst at being in hell. He's the worst uh, at, at just. He's pretty good at being in hell. His, I, I think his physical <laughs> comedy has improved this season, though. He's just the most fun character to just throw into a scene. You just like can throw Angel in a scene. You're like, where, where is Angel right now? Let's get him in here. He can show up. He's watching everything, as long as it's nighttime. My my favorite act, best actor I said was the mayor with honorable mention for Trick, um, and best actress, Faith. Mm, interesting. Season three is really Faith's. It is time to shine. So that's why I chose her as best actress rather than most change, because she's so new. You know, it was like everything was a, you know just constantly in change in flux. All right, why don't we move to uh, best monster? Uh, I actually split mine into best makeup and best character. Um, cause I feel like they're pretty separate, at least on this show. Uh, I'll go first. Sorry. So, Please. um, best monster makeup I give to, uh, the tentacle monster from the wish who only shows up in one scene and is immediately murdered, but is a great monster job. Um, the runners up though are scabby demon from earshot Balthazar from bad girls. And, um, in a surprise twist, leather face slash football head from Anne. Uh, I thought he was a good looking demon. Uh, and then best monster character I give with reluctance to Faith. Oh. After the decision, she is indeed a monster. Um, and then Vampire Willow, the mayor, and runner-up is Anya. Well, I chose, uh, for my best monster, I picked the, uh, the craziest and hardest to explain monster, which is uh, Gingerbread Monster, which is uh, two dead kids, uh, or whatever that is, uh, is my favorite uh, crazy monster. <laughs> <laughs> that is impossible to impart in an explanation easily to someone. Yeah, I never actually like is just Hansel and Gretel. Doesn't get like another monster name, you know, which is weird. 
but uh my my second choice was faith after that one just best monster of course that's because of the uh prediction um kind of bs that blew up a few weeks ago my uh my best monster um i chose the zombies from the zeppo because they actually have a significant effect on the plot of that episode because only one character xander interacts with them and so it's it's like a xander exclusive monster and it leads to him <laughs> having more confidence sleeping with um uh, faith, uh, which is super misguided, but happens. Um, and I can't think of any other monster that's just so singular with w- interacting with one character other than the master and Buffy. That's like, but that was like many episodes. It was epic. It, so the zombies. Interesting choice. My uh, favorite monster uh, said that the question said we could use whatever criteria we would like. So I chose the criteria, uh, uh, the criteria of unsettling sexiness. And so I chose uh, vampire willow. Mm. <laughs> nice. Uh, and this is a very Travis question. Best set slash lighting. I'll take it off because um, y'all, y'all are going to feel very uh, sheepish. So, <laughs> so the episode amends, um, 38 minutes into the episode, Buffy and Angel are arguing at the top of the, the hill. It's shot at just, just at daylight, so it's still kind of dark out. Um, just the way the cinematography is on that scene, um, it's very windy. Um, it's just those two characters. There's nothing in the background. It's just darkness. It's very cinematic. And um, to me, just really emblematic of like season three condensed. Buffy and Angel are arguing about love. Not a lot's making sense, but <laughs> it's them. That's their characters, and it just shot really beautifully. Uh, like I always, will see those, those. You know, you can just see it in your mind. You can just replay the, those those scenes over and over again. Pretty cool. My runner up to that is um, so is actually in Faith, Hope, and Trick. About thirty eight minutes, thirty seven seconds. You really like that thirty eight minute mark. Apparently, it's a sweet spot. I, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, 38, 37. Yeah. Well, this is people that watch it can go see what I'm talking about. So I'm not super crazy. Just like he's just regular crazy. So Buffy, this is Faith Open Trick, episode three. Buffy's in the library with Giles and Willow. And then she's basically explaining to them that she killed Angel. He had a soul. And it just, again, it's more of this. Um, the lighting is perfect. Like, it, like the way that Sarah Michelle Gellar is lit in that scene is just iconic for what I would say season three would be. Just just how she looks in season three, because this goes on for seven seasons. You know, she gets older, all the characters do, but like this moment in time, it's just so iconic and just the way that she's, the way that she's lit. And, and you know, she's talking of course about Buffy and Angel, kind of what, kind of what it had been up to, uh, this, you know, the series had been about up to this point. And this kind of just, this very um, star-crossed lover stuff of, you know, she killed him when he had a soul and you know, it it's, it, it, it's it's very bittersweet. It's but to me just totally iconic. I do want to. I I put um, the library high on my list because this is the last season with the library. So R.I.P. Library. Got to appreciate it while it's there. Uh, I also gave the butcher shop a shout out. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Faith's shitty motel room just for yes! the columns. That was mine. Faith's hotel room. <laughs> Faith's hotel room is great because it. Uh, I mean, it's discussed overtly in the dialogue, but it's a it's a complete expression of her character, right? It's mm-hmm. like a space that is her, and uh, it's a nice uh, and not too subtle, but it's a nice symbol of her isolation and how everybody else has kind of like literally shut her away and decided not to deal with her. 
and I don't know. Uh, I like I like the motel room. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very Spartan. 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 Uh, also, uh, lighting wise, I like um, Faith. I mean, I, I like Buffy fighting in hell in Anne. Uh, her dramatic um, workers revolt lighting is good. Oh yeah, that's a good call for set and lighting. Yeah, the crazy like uh, hell factory. Well, my my favorite set was the Wish universe's version of the bronze. Uh, it gave me the most pleasure to visit that set, and then with a special shout out, of course, to the blood based kegger, the blood kegerator, which is an insane prop in the the evil bronze. Uh, and then I guess a shout out to Angel's Lair when Joyce goes to visit for the first time, and of course the chains, another prop. They left the chains out. <laughs> And uh, uh, the Slayer Fest '98 promo set. I love that. <laughs> uh, is it listed here or not? Uh, let's just do it now. Is uh, I, I, we should do uh, best prop work, which is a tra- Trav only question, I think. Oh, okay, all right. Well, you, you guys can chime in. Basically, it was either going to be Faith and that knife that she loves so much, or Giles and the handcuff joke in Band Candy, because it's just so over the top. Laugh out loud. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's true when she f- sees the manacles over at Angel's place. It's probably why she doesn't say anything because she's like, you know, she has no room to talk. <laughs> I got no room to talk. Yeah. Uh, that is some weird shit. <laughs> that reminds me, my wife and I were joking last night what the best gift would be for a bachelorette would be a pair of handcuffs, but you'd have to, everybody gives handcuffs, and then how much fun it would be to for a bachelorette to open six pairs of handcuffs one at <laughs> all different levels of fuzzy or leather or whatever anyway i don't know i like the full-on manacles like <laughs> or manacles yeah <laughs> like it's like frankenstein fucking cast iron manacles uh <laughs> all right why don't we move to uh favorite monster as theme uh mike already brought this up um this is a pretty easy one for me, though, uh, was gingerbread. the Kind of like the parents as the monster slash the hallucinated ghost children thing, whatever that was. That was a great one um, because that one for me was about uh, trying to be an adult and uh, how the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, and I think, I think the I, – I wrote about that one also because I felt like – the mob mentality of blaming the outsider is like so unfortunately perennially relevant. Yeah. Right? Like it's a, there's always some group we can attack as the outsider who's destroying us, whether it's teenagers or, you know, whoever I talked about faith. Um, and so here's my dumb, weird pitch of faith as a Jungian character. Who's a combination of both Buffy's shadow self, which is like your, um, basically your dark side who you can encounter in a dream, um, which makes a lot of sense with faith. Uh, and it's just like everything that Buffy would repress represented. Um, and the fact that Buffy does eventually meet her in a dream. And I was also looking at the Jungian anima and animus and weirdly. So the animus is like, like the male balance to like the female. Um, but I think faith fits more in the animus category. Um, she even, cause they go through these levels of development and she goes through three of the four where she starts as a, it's man of mere, of mere physical power and then man of action or romance. And then man as a professor, clergyman or orator. And then the final is man as a spiritual guide. 
Um, so this is all Wikipedia because I'm not actually going to pick up a Jung book. Um, but it's just interesting because like Buffy and to Faith, Faith does start out as just physical power, like another slayer, and then kind of moves to the action or romance where it's the team up and the like romanticism of their friendship. Um, the one thing that doesn't really work is clergyman or orator or professor. Um, but like maybe the mayor kind of takes that instead. Um, but then she does become kind of a spiritual guide right at the end. Um, so anyway, that was just dumb shit I was thinking of. Um, and then I also, the thing I already mentioned about like the, the high school is hell metaphor. Finally, like this is the end of that initial premise of the show and they ended it with a bang. Um, so now we move on to like season four is like a whole new start. It's the beginning of a new, the new, the second part of Buffy, you know? Well, I mean, uh, my favorite monster theme was the earshot monster. It's pretty straightforward. It's an empathy monster that gives you the ability to like truly feel and well, as, as it kind of plays out. And I, I like that it's too much for Buffy, Buffy to really handle for a little bit. And then she still, you know, has the empathy with other students. So like, uh, it's a power that she kind of already had that was super enhanced. Um, I think we've talked about in season one, for instance, John brought up like, oh, Buffy has like this fashion sense, this fashion power and how important that is. And like, she also has an empathy power. Like she gets when something's wrong with a friend or what's going on, you know, like, you know, when earlier in the season, her relationship with Willow was damaged after she was gone. And, you know, they kind of tried to, they, they did eventually like fix things back up together and then, so she she was able to identify with Jonathan and empathize without even that monster's power, but it implied that like it gave her an edge, right? Because she was able to like even spot that the monster was a thing. So I don't know that that one was. I like that one. I feel like a high school empathy monster story is is always going to work. Uh, Trav, yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree. I'm I'm taking a mulligan on this one because I'm talking so much. <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we give on, uh, move on then to uh, give me your best idea for an expanded universe fan fiction or AU fan fiction, alternative universe fan fiction. Uh, I feel like this John, is more John. John's domain. John. Uh, I have three prepared. Three. Uh, yes. Can, can I, can I'm going to read them all into the record. Go okay. for it. If that's okay. All right. Here's my first one. Uh, first one is an AU in which Xander has a moment of weakness and chooses to run away with Anya instead of staying for graduation. They have a romantic road trip, a few magical adventures in Kansas and Minnesota, and they, and they try to forget about Sunnydale. Ultimately, though, they realize that they have nothing in common, and they drift apart somewhere in Georgia. <laughs> After three months on the road, Xander finally works up the courage to phone home, only to find out that Buffy and the entire gang were eaten at graduation, and he is alone. <laughs> wow. Wait, so... <laughs> He's That's key. amazing. He's keen. He didn't. Yeah, he threw it away. Yep, it was worth it for the adventure. Because I feel like that's what Xander probably really would have done. Because he's the worst. I think uh, if he okay. lost his virginity, he they'd be more likely to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, here's one. Uh, AU in which Joyce never had a child. She and Pat run the art gallery together. They drink schnapps and solve mysteries using Joyce's knowledge of art history and Pat's keen mathematical skills. <laughs> I love right. that. That's amazing. Yeah, just no, no monsters necessarily even either. I mean, they could be supernatural mysteries or they could just solve art mysteries. I just like the idea <laughs> there's so much art theft in Sunnydale, California. <laughs> Straight up a, a PI in art, th- in art thefts can, can run a successful business. Damn it, another, you know, can another- that show be called something banal like The Gallery or something like that? I like that. Because it's two gals. 
and also oh snap i don't know it's not very smart okay here's my last one um this one's a little sillier all right uh the uss sunnydale is a nova class starship on a four-year mission to explore a remote region of space known as the infernal orifice while under the command of of captain rupert giles first officer summers has extreme strength thanks to illegal genetic modifications science officer (laughs) lieutenant rosenberg is shy but keen-witted Vulcan medical officer, Dr. Ozick, is, of course, unemotional. Until, of course, he isn't. And Ensign Zand is, only, is the second ever Ferengi in Starfleet. <laughs> He's a Ferengi. <laughs> oh, uh, it's weird. Uh, I love that. cast Armin Shimmerman anywhere. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> That's okay. It's a rough draft. It's a rough draft. My favorite, uh, my favorite idea that I came up with there, though, is is to make Oz a Vulcan. I think that I, yeah. I'm very proud of that. Of having thought of that, that's really good, man. Um, I didn't put nearly this much effort into. <laughs> but mine ties into your first one. Um, I said I would love to see the mayor's plan. Uh, what the mayor's plan was, if it went, if it went right, like a sixty foot snake is running the city. Um, he keeps the mayor title and he appoints Faith deputy mayor, but for some reason the na- like he's able to like do the politics enough so that the National Guard or the military don't attack him. Uh, but he probably eats all the college kids next year. Um, oh, it's like Demon West Wing. Yeah, and he declares Sunnydale a sanctuary city for monsters. I don't know what happens next. <laughs> I would watch that. That sounds like a like a political thriller. It can really tie into uh, like. Yeah, at the beginning, middle of the season, Xander comes back. He's like, oh, no. All right. So my, my uh, alternative universe uh, fan fiction, it starts after Lover's Walk, um, and Cordelia has broken up with Xander, but Oz then breaks up with Willow, and they don't get back together. And every once in a while, as the episodes go by, we get to see Oz in the background, and um, he'll show up in the library every once in a while, and then you know, we, the viewer, can assume that it's probably a full moon. So he's still keeping in contact with Giles. And then when Helpless happens, um, Buffy tells Giles that she doesn't want to ever see him again. And so he quits his librarian. And then um, he starts drinking again. And then he spends all his time at night trying to fight vampires and demons. Um, and then everyone saw Buffy run into him um, as he's fighting. And, um, you know, not much really happens. And then uh, this is where it gets silly. Um, I like this idea that um, one day he's drinking at the bronze and the drummer for Oz's band uh, doesn't show up. And Oz uh, asks Giles to, uh, to uh, you know, play the drums in his band. And, uh, and then uh, lo and behold, he does. And then uh, he's fighting demons and he's in a grunge rock band and uh, they go on tour. And I'm thinking that's like a, a little comic miniseries when they go on tour. So That's excellent. But they also so still have to fight demons. Because right? Giles is like such a rocker, right? <laughs> like he belongs in a band. He could stake him with his drumsticks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, my alternate universe uh, is <laughs> breaking off from where I initially thought the show was going to go, which it didn't. But from Helpless is a good episode for that because it's when the Watcher Council tries to intervene to F with Buffy. And of course their plan would be fully revealed that they are of course trying to suppress the slayers because the slayers themselves are too dangerous for this world, especially since she's, uh, and so they try to kill them all before they're 18 because it's just this never ending cycle of a thing, a problem in the universe that they've figured out how to solve. 
And, uh, you know, that's why they send Wesley because he's the most impotent, you know, human that could barely, you know, contain, you know, just waste her time. Just waste her time, basically, just in the way that high school also wastes her time. So if from Helpless, she decides to turn against the Watcher Council. Um, So she goes AWOL. Giles is in an unfortunate state where he has to maybe, like, pursue her. And ultimately, they end up joining forces. They go to England. There's a Watcher's retreat going on. They use some of the powers, like the crazy glove that Gwendolyn has, and they hunt down and kill the Watcher Council at uh, during a retreat. And so we'd see, you know, the Watcher's evil plans, Buffy and Giles kind of like sneaking into their, whatever their facility is, their lair, and destroying the Watcher Council and probably blowing up the castle fortress that the Watcher Council like meets in. Um, of course, they'd have demon connections and be revealed. Angel would probably show up uh, to like help out. Definitely. Uh, I don't know how he would get to England with them, but he would just show up. He'd like, of course, babe, I was here all along. You know, whatever the, the story is. Can there be one point where they like, uh, the the watchers are like about to get her and then like her team shows up and they yell, retreat! Because they're at it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if, what if, um, what if Amy gets de-ratified and they turn the, they turn the watchers council into rats instead of like blatant murder? That can happen for a group of them, but I, I need to see some murders. Some, you need some bloodshed. <laughs> okay, some bloodshed for sure. Some get turned into rats because they're a bunch of dirty rats. That makes sense. You know, it'd be really funny if, if like uh, Amy turns them into rats and then everyone's like, oh, they're cute rats. And then like someone has like a, like a suitcase and they, and they undo the suitcase and then these, um, these terriers jump out of the suitcase because terriers hunt down and kill rats. So it's like really like super primal and brutal. It's like, oh no, they're not getting away because they're rats. Uh, we're just going to have to be hunted by the rat's natural predator, AKA the terrier. That's brutal. That's like the Dr. Fate comics back in the like golden age. He would never kill anyone outright. He would transform them into something and then destroy that something. It's like, it's oh, not whoa. actually murder if like there's some sort of like level of transformation. Like you got turned into wood. And then you got to put through this thresher, you know? <laughs> what? That's weird. I like, like that. I'm going to turn you into a pen and then use all the ink. Yeah. <laughs> and as that last drop spilled. Dude, that's it's like, fucked up. That's awesome. I love the idea. Throw some, turn someone into wood, throw them in the fire. Like, just, that's a, such a simpler way of dealing with it. Yeah. But the, I, my complaint with the show is that they totally set up the Watcher Council like they're the bad guys in this season. Uh, and then they like turned it into the mayor and like it felt like it was going to be the watcher villains and maybe it's still i mean i still think it will be in season four the watcher council is totally an evil force in this show so i'm excited to like for that to happen but anyway yeah i i I think the watchers council and the mayor though both function in the same way where it's like um buffy's main villain this like main overall large villain not faith is like bad authority like um abuse of like authority figures so like the watchers council and the mayor both function like in the same way right and uh the mayor is in town and the watchers council is in england uh all right um trav do you want to explain what this last next one is biggest miss biggest oh yeah it was like it was just like a biggest like thing that you wished had happened like mike wished elijah would do Mike wished that Faith's character was killed. Yep, that's my miss. Like problem. the biggest miss. Okay, so my that's biggest miss. I wrote, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So my, my biggest miss was, um, I, just, I just don't think Oz and, and Willow should have gotten back together. Like, it, it, you know, they get back together. That's, I, to me, that's a miss. That's a total miss. 
You so. can't forgive the infidelity. Yeah, you know, it was just, yeah, I don't know. It's thanks. Wait, thanks why? Then. Explain, say more. I don't, I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure I understand why. I've had enough bar uh, conversations with Travis. I know how he feels about infidelity. It He's just, against it. Just all of it, like none of it really makes sense. Like they're, the, the whole plot between behind way Willow and Xander, you know, we're all hot and heavy. It was just like pure hormones, except that doesn't make any sense knowing the characters, of, you know, knowing Willow's character. Like just kind of none of the setup made sense. And then just the idea that Oz is literally perfect. That also doesn't make sense, although everything that's about Oz makes that believable because he is just so perfect. But also it kind of just hinders Willow's character because she gets like a, she gets a do-over and her character kind of stalls out a little bit. Sure, it's like slowly over time she becomes, become, she becomes more independent from, from Buffy. You know, and Buffy kind of makes her really sad and kind of betrayed in, in Bad Girls. But at that point, if things would not go back to normal, like Willow would start to really mature even faster during this season. I think her character would make even bigger strides. That getting that do-over and her focusing on the do-over, on just getting Oz back, she doesn't focus on other things. Um, oh. So you're saying, okay, if I, let me see if I get this right. It's not that you think that it's unrealistic that, because like forgiveness is real and people do forgive each other in real life. It's not that you're saying it's unrealistic. It's more that you're saying that like, the Willow character could have gone further if they hadn't just mashed the reset button on her, basically. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, I still think the whole setup's kind of unrealistic, but definitely the Willow character would go I way more interesting. I mean, I think people do forgive each other. Well, forgive, but get it back. Yeah, get back. And, and I, I disagree also because, especially in the last third of the season, Oz and Willow have such a great relationship that's so engaging. Um, yeah. And does feel really healthy, um, especially compared to the Angel-Buffy relationship. But, like, part of that is... Like they had, they were they were forced to like really assess their relationship and forced to be really honest with each other, um, which you don't necessarily get if you don't get like um, a rock bottom to the relationship first. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Dennis. My my biggest miss was actually going to be that we didn't get more Oz and Willow because I I have so much affection for them. I don't really think I want more of them because I think. I don't know that it makes good storytelling to just have like an emotionally healthy relationship on screen. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just not good it's, television. It's but... such a good counterpoint to the bad relationships on screen. Yeah, it really um, is. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I don't know. To me, it's tough because I, Oz has like no emotion. Like I understand you guys say it's a really healthy relationship, but when I, I don't even know what that relationship's about. He just makes like wry comments that are one word. And it's like, is that really real? I mean, I, I just don't know anyone in life that was like, that has ever cool. been like us. He's just a cool dude. He just makes one-word statements. I, mean, know, I guess, more I guess that's a relationship. I guess, there's, I guess therefore Buffy is, man. I, I think it, you're right, Travis, in that, in as much as it's nothing. there's not a lot to Oz and that, like, uh, one of the reasons we like him is because he kind of... Uh, uh, He's a generic good dude. I agree with you that I think one of the reasons I like him is because I can project ideals onto him because he's kind of a blank canvas, right? I think that's probably true. The best thing he says is nothing he even says. The best thing he ever did in that whole season was he goes over to the vase and throws it on the ground. That's an amazing said, scene. Yeah. <laughs> what, he doesn't say anything. Yeah, it, but that is that the whole reason that throwing the vase is a powerful statement is because we know that it, we know that he's so reserved normally. It's like somebody who never swears and then they finally do, you know, to stop and take them seriously. Yeah, no, no, I, I get the concept. Like that's why it has emotional impact, but like when you say out of a whole season of 22 episodes of 42 minutes each episode, the most impressive thing someone did was throw a vase on the ground. 
you're, you're scraping, you're scraping that barrel, my friend. <laughs> I love Oz. You're not going to talk me out of it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the fun thing about the books. Um, is uh, this book, Paleo, spends a little bit more time with Oz that you didn't don't normally. And that's kind of why I was attracted to it, because I saw Oz on the cover, and I was like, oh, an Oz story. And it is. It's about Dingo's kind of making it, you know? Nice. Um, anyway, I'll do a separate review of that. I just want to say, if, uh, if you guys want more Seth Green, I've been plowing through the uh, current Ninja Turtles series on Nickelodeon, and he voices Leonardo, and it's really, really good. <laughs> Wait, is Leonardo like Oz? No, but it's still Seth Green. No, his Leonardo is like Leonardo, basically. But okay, um, it's sorry, it's a weird recommendation. But if you like monsters, if you like weird, like like they do a full arc where they go to Japan and meet Usagi, uh, it's really cool. Um, Wait, anyway, Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my biggest miss is uh, that they didn't show the scene where Buffy and Faith kiss, because uh, you know that they at least did that nothing else uh, uh and not a lot of oz as a werewolf i wrote even though yeah like they never really do his werewolf stuff very great it's a hard monster to do on tv but he didn't transform a lot this season all right uh so i just i had the demon Lucconus uh by far as the worst monster effect uh they were very clearly trying to try out their cg with that that they would later use for the mayor not that the mayor's great but he's at least well designed like they at least put a little more time into his like design than they did Laconis. um i'll say the first is not great um and a special sh- special shout out to the scabby demon's blood <laughs> all right why don't we dive then into predictions um and i know there's a lot of big predictions okay so i'd like to say that at the moment after going through all the various episodes Mike is at a perfect two-thirds. He's at a 66.6 repeating accuracy, which, you know, is a D. But still a passing grade. I don't think we should use American grading systems. But but what we haven't done is Mike made a lot of predictions that were, you know, sort of pegged to season three. And uh, I want to make sure that we go through all of those. There's quite a few of them. So I'm going to go through them, hopefully, kind of quickly. So... In season two, episode 17, Mike predicted there is a special school for watchers that we will see in season three. That did not happen. We didn't see the watcher school, though we heard about it. Well, we know season three should just be longer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mike predicted in season two, episode 22, that Buffy and Spike will get together in season three. That did not happen. So that is denied. I want to revise uh, that prediction to see, make it season four, but I guess I'll get my season four things. Okay. Mike predicted in season three, episode one, that Whistler will appear in season three. That did not happen. Got no Whistler. I, I'm, I'm frustrated <laughs> about that because the way Whistler appeared, it seemed like he was an important character. Oh, throw away. I wonder why like they didn't gonna, put more Whistler in. It looked like he was going to be Angel's mentor. In a time when he needed one so badly, he'd been in hell for years. I thought this mentor appear. Uh, Mike predicted in season three, episode one, that the big bad for season three will be connected to Whistler. That did not happen, at least as far as we know. Okay, this one is more iffy, and I feel like 
Mike said in season three, episode two, something supernatural is causing Buffy's angels, a Buffy's dreams of angel to happen. Do we feel that that was supernatural? I mean, I guess it probably was, but we never got it. Like the show doesn't state it directly one way or the other. Travis, you, you're nodding. I'm assuming that means you think this prediction is confirmed. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was definitely supernatural. Okay, Dennis, what do you say? Um, well, Buffy's pro- prophetic dreams are never really given a specific source, but I think it's just one of her Slayer powers. So I think we can interpret her dreams as being prophecy that Angel will return. Okay. So, I'll so we can allow- go ahead and confirm that? Yeah. All right, that's confirmed. Okay. In season three, episode four, Mike predicted that we will learn what happened to Angel in hell in season three. That didn't happen, did it? No. They never got into specifics or anything. I assume no. he just got tortured. And okay, so that one's denied. <laughs> Mike predicted, this one's, I kind of, oh, this one I wish would have happened. This is a good missed opportunity. Mike predicted season three, episode four, that the library cage will be upgraded in season three. <laughs> Should have happened, it didn't. Uh, okay, season three, episode six, Mike predicted that uh, Zandelia will break up and get back together in season three. They did not get back together, so that is denied. Okay, Mike predicted in Season 3, Episode 7 that the Watchers Council will apologize in Season 3 <laughs> for not warning about Gwendolyn Price. That did not happen. No Watcher apologies of any kind, I don't think. Okay, Season 3, Episode 8. Mike predicted that Spike will return in Season 3. So he, he had already returned, but after Season uh, 3, Episode 8, he did not come back, so that's denied. Okay. Okay. Season three, episode 10. Mike predicted that Giles will not initiate any kisses in season three. That is confirmed, I believe. There are no kisses after that point that were initiated by Giles or received by Giles. No smoochies for Giles. Uh, Season three, episode 11. Mike predicted that Amy will become human and have a scandalous reveal in season three. That is denied. That did not happen. She's still a rat. Season three, episode 12, though, Mike did predict that Amy will be a rat for the rest of season three. So he (laughs) went back on that one. So he split his bet there. Okay. Uh, Season three, episode 12, Mike predicted that Giles will be reinstated as a watcher in season three. That did not happen. He is not reinstated as a watcher. Uh, Season three, episode 13, Mike predicted that the Chevy Bel Air will be totaled in season three. The Chevy Bel Air did not make a comeback of any kind. No one cared about the Bel Air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that's denied that's just xander miniverse you know what when i, I bet it's in these damn books i'm reading it's gonna be the xander chronicles <laughs> <laughs> so okay that is all of mike's uh specific season three predictions can i uh, can i just state here though if i can find in these books solutions that like fix some of these season three things yes can i get points i mm, Okay, so there's two questions there in my mind. The first question is, uh, do we want to count things that were um, predictions if they are confirmed in a book? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, but I think I'm going to work out like a system where we have kind of a separate score for that, where it's like, you know, you get this many points, but with bonuses, you get this many points. Okay, I like Um, that. Because I feel like he he definitely needs the bonuses. He needs to be rewarded for reading these books. Mm -hmm. He does. It's an impressive feat. Um, Yeah. Just yeah, I need points toward a big pizza party, you know. Yeah, <laughs> book it, Mike. Book it. Uh, I that okay. And then I the second question though is if there's a prediction that says in season three and that prediction is confirmed 
in a book in that tape, but the book takes place kind of during season three. Do we count that as part of season three? Yeah, if you're already counting it as a bonus, then yeah. Okay, yeah, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, what if it happens in the summer, like, between seasons? Season season four starts when season four starts. If it occurs before season four starts, it's season three. Okay, I like that. That, That's a very common sense approach, Travis. Thank you. Thank you for shutting me up. Okay, Uh, so that's uh, all the predictions so far. Uh, Mike, that puts your score currently. You are at a 60.8. You are just skirting an F. Whoa, dude. D minus. That's cool. I'm going to get it all back, guys. (laughs) <laughs> twice as many predictions in season four all gonna come through. i would like to point out that there are still 86 open predictions so uh that are not tied to there's a, a lot not the majority but there's almost half the predictions have not been even been addressed yet wow yeah uh is now the time for mike to throw out some se- specific to what's going to happen in season four predictions yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear some general season four predictions. Okay, well, I got those. Uh, okay, so uh, Xander is going to find a way to go to college with Buffy and Willow. Xander is going to uh, have a relationship with Anya in season four at college. I don't know why Anya's going to college yet, but she's, he's gonna, that's going to be his first uh, serious relationship in college. Uh, this is a general prediction. Ethan Rain will return in season four. There will be an Ethan Rain episode. It will rain down Ethan Rain in season four. <laughs> Rain will return. Giles is going to get a job at the college. He's going to transfer somehow. He's going to get a new job at the college. Mr. Feeney style. They need to find a new hideout. Uh, it's going to be not at the college. I don't know where the new hideout is yet, but I think it's going to be like a cool uh like a cool dorm or something a cool dorm uh, that sounds like that's the cup anyway they're gonna find so, yeah. out what are you saying are we saying uh, they not need a hideout. i don't know what their new hideout's gonna be it's not gonna be a library though i feel like an off-campus hideout they have an off-campus hideout they have to okay but it's off-campus and it's not the bronze i'm being that would be weird. <laughs> uh buffy's gonna go to la to stop faith in season four from doing something something evil uh, Buffy's gonna have a dream about Angel in season four. Hold on, does that does that mean Faith wakes out of wakes up out of her coma? Yeah, Faith's gonna get out of her coma and go to L.A. Okay, Faith will wake up her coma in season four. Faith's gonna go to L.A. in season four. How do you what what's prompting that prediction? Because I don't want Faith hanging around in the Buffy universe. She's gonna go to the okay. Angel universe. <laughs> okay, get out of here, Faith. Buffy basically killed her. I feel like Faith has to go between her tail between her legs to L.A. to be on Angel. Once again, the Watcher Council will be the big bad in season four. The Watcher Council will be the villain in season four. The main villain. You can't say once again. You have to say for the first (laughs) time. (laughs) The Watcher Council will be the main villain. Wesley is going to return in season four from England, and he will have left the Watcher Council. Wesley will try to sleep with Cordelia again in season four, though it may take place on Angel since she's going to be in L.A. I don't know if it's like we never see Cordy again because she's on Angel now or how it's going to happen. Because I know Cordelia is going to go to L.A. to and, and eventually end up on Angel somehow. 
And I know Angel's going to open a detective agency. I don't think that should be a prediction. I feel like I know that just from the world. If you want to just load up your points, you can do that. Okay, Angel's going to start a detective agency. <laughs> so are we going to count predictions if they technically come true on Angel? I, I'm assuming yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we discussed that before, yeah. Okay, all right. Spike and Buffy are going to hook up in season four. Buffy's going to have a one-off with a student who is not a monster in season four. What do you mean a one-off? Like a fling. She's going to have a hook. She's going to have a date. She's going to be date a guy, a human man. Okay. All right. Okay. Monster in season four. What, 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 but like, what do you mean a one-off? I like it's not going to last clear. very long. It's not going to, it's going to last. An it's like one episode? One, to one two episode. Episodes. I mean, one to two episodes. Owen okay. A like Jesse. a one night stand is a one-off. I feel like you're, Doing something with language that's unnecessary, John. I've just like, never heard anybody use the. I've never heard anybody use the phrase "one off" to describe a, a sexual relationship before. Never heard pump, that before. A pump it and dump it. <laughs> oh, well, now you're speaking my language. Oz and Willow are going to break up in season four. Xander and Anya are going to hook up. I mean, I guess I already said a Xander Anya thing. Buffy is not going to study law enforcement in college. I know there were predictions around her getting into law enforcement at least from the school aptitude test she's not going to study law enforcement do you have any predictions about her eventual major or anything oh fuck what uh i she's gonna get a bullshit major i don't know what it is though because like i think she's i think i actually think buffy's gonna drop out of college she's not gonna graduate but only because people laughed when i made a prediction that season seven would end with college graduation so i'm pretty sure they're going to drop out college will become less important than saving the world and so it'll be easy to quit uh is my guess uh yeah so no one's going to graduate from college <laughs> no, no one will graduate from college none of the scooby gang is getting a diploma <laughs> i feel like that's like <laughs> you have really, one that's everybody graduates it's like it's like that's a twist it's like, all right don't be so extreme bro Buffy's None of the Scooby gang will get a college diploma. Is that Buffy's not going to get a diploma. Let me Buffy will not Buffy's get a college not diploma. diploma. What's Willow going to be? What's her major? They don't have a magic major, right? Like it's still normal world. Even oh, though magic like exists. Chemistry major. She could be a chemistry major. She could do computer science with Oz. They're going to do computer science together. Or library science. Oh, she's going to study library science. I'm not trolling you, I promise. I was just trying, trying to get a Willow prediction. That's funny. That, that's funny. That's like a ton. Okay, great. That is a lot of predictions. The Watcher Council is going to try to kill Angel. Who's going to try to kill Angel? The Watcher Council. Ooh. They're not going to succeed. You don't think they're going to dust Angel in the first season of his new show? No, I think he's going to be just fine. It would be funny if like for seasons two through five of Angel, it's like his ghost. <laughs> he's just giving them advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I th that is uh, it for the uh, scripted portion of our uh, podcast. But um, we are going to do some unscripted some perhaps you could call them mad libs some buffy mad libs courtesy of mike and where'd you find them 
Oh, I got these at Powell's. It's just a bookstore. I was just walking around uh, looking for comics or whatever, and I saw Buffy's face, and I was drawn to it. And I guess there's a Mad Lib section at Powell's anyway. So wait, uh, is this a uh, is this like a new product or is this used? Is it like from the used bookstore? No, it's a used. It's a brand new copy of Mad Libs. There's no done stories already. That'd be fantastic. Right. We're going to have to do them ourselves. But I guess my question is more like, did somebody resell this or has this just been sitting on the shelves for 20 years? No, it's from 2016. Oh, whoa. Okay. Is there spoilers in it? Be careful. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, it depends what uh, adjective part of body you choose. <laughs> the part I'm doing is called uh, My Demonic Dalliances by Xander. So mm. I'm going to just, you know how Mad Libs works. I have a bunch of adjectives and stuff and I'll fill them in and I'll do the story. Mike's like, I need a noun. And I'm going to be like, Whistler. I'm like, oh no, it's a spoiler. Okay. Uh, <laughs> start. First one is part of the body. What's a part of the body in a demonic dalliances story by Xander? Horn. An adjective. Rotting. Okay. A noun. The books of ascension. Travis, adjective. Slimy. Slimy. Uh, Dennis, verb ending in ing. Um, running. Uh, John, part of the body. Heart. Travis, letter of the alphabet. B. <laughs> Dennis, adjective. Smelly. Okay, John, noun. He's so Sorry. silly. Sorry. The, uh, There's no. I'm, I'm suddenly very put on the spot. I know. I know. I know how Mad Libs works. I just. Okay. <laughs> There's no uh, winning in Mad Libs. It's also um, weird. This is the first time I've done Mad Libs in like. I don't know, 25 years or something. Seriously. It's, uh, um, uh, the box of Gavrock. Box of Gavrock. Okay, uh, Travis, a plural noun. Slayers. Okay, Dennis, a number. Uh, 13. Uh, John, an adjective. Uh, squishy. Travis, a noun, and that's the last one. Council. Council. Okay. Are we doing this right by filling it up with Buffy words? Is it going to just read like a regular Buffy story? Maybe. We'll see. When it comes to matters of the horn, I kind of have a type. Pretty. Finds my personality more charming than rotting. Oh, and their souls tend to lean a smidge to a lot demon. First, there was the substitute Books of Ascension, who invited me over to her house for some extracurricular activities. Naturally, I thought my Xander gets seduced by a smoking, slimy teacher fantasy was miraculously coming true. Turns out she was a giant running mantis whose idea of romance was to bite a virgin's heart <laughs> off during mating. Uh, not exactly the way I wanted to lose my B card. <laughs> <laughs> then there was the smelly exchange student slash ink and mummy box of Gavrock I fell hard for. Didn't realize she had to murder slayers daily to stay young. That relationship turned into dust, literally when Buffy smashed her 1,300-year-old bones to pieces. And, of course, there was Anya, a vengeance demon, who came to Squishydale to punish me and ended up being the counsel of my life. Demonic Dalliances by Xander. What a beautiful story. <laughs> So it does seem spoilery up to season three. <laughs> so perfect, perfect length of time. Uh, but, you know, there shouldn't be Mad Libs of college shows anyway. It should be all. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that is the episode. Um, I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. I'm going to be in Japan. Um, so uh, you guys can do the first two episodes of season four without me. Um, 
uh, I hope you guys enjoyed season three. It was um, 20, what, three, four hundred episodes. I have been Dennis St. John. You can find me online. You can buy my comics, Land of Many Monsters, DennisComics.com, etc. Cool. And I'm Michael Poley. You can find me at Michael Poley. Uh, I'm going to be representing Buffy Virgin at WeedingCon, uh, May 18th through the 20th. There's going to be a Buffy podcasters panel, and I'll be on there with uh, several other Buffy podcasters. And uh, that should be wonderful. I don't listen to their podcasts uh, unless uh, they're spoiler-free, so I haven't listened to any of their podcasts yet, but I will uh, after John checks them all out. So that's been great. All right. I think that's it. Um, Make sure to like, subscribe, give us reviews. We love you. We'll see you next week. See you in hell.